Welcome to C3 Church Tagra. You're about to hear a message from Luke Boyd. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. So we're doing this theme, God is in control, and it raises a whole set of questions, Um, and some of them have puzzled us for a long, long time. And I myself had a lot of struggle with this, if I was to be perfectly honest. There's this all-powerful God, this all-loving God, and yet there's, there's evil and suffering. And a lot of people use this as an argument against God or against his um. Is everyone cool if I say omnipotence or omnipotence? Is everyone cool with that? His all-powerfulness um, or his omniscience, his all-knowingness or, or the fact that he's all love. And, you know, people try and use this argument and they have done over the years, but there's a lot of great teaching out there. There's a lot of great, profound guys that have allowed themselves to ask the big questions, to go on a, a, and to do it in the faith and to pursue God and find answers. And I find there's a wealth of resource on this topic and on this um, exact curly question of if there is a a big God, if he's all-powerful, all-loving, and there's this thing called evil and suffering. And there's these great minds out there that can marry it all, and it actually makes sense. So if you're a person here right now that it doesn't make sense to, I would not classify myself as a teacher. Um, I feel my gift is more, um, uh, it's more preaching and, and, and I have a prophetic style. I'd love to be a teacher and I think I'm going to try and sharpen up on my teaching skills. But um, right now, in the, one of the most curliest, curliest questions of all time, I'm not sure if I'm going to really get into it, but what I want to do I, I, I threw out a big boast this morning. I'm going I'm to try and attack this logically. And I, do you know what? I, um, I'm probably not going to. I'll, I'll throw some statements out there. Um, and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm not is because I don't want to do it in injustice because it was something that I struggled with. And once I pursued God in the context of faith and the word of God and, and in the body of believers, I found some incredible liberating truths that set me free and um, allowed me to view God, humanity and the earth in a whole new, uh, fresh way. And um, I just want to encourage you guys to go on your own personal journey. And I'm going to give you some great, great places to go. So if you are one of these people and you have a phone or an iPad or a pen and paper, Doug, I love the old school uh, way there. Um, If you want to find out some answers, if you want to find out some great uh, stuff, great, great resource on this topic, I want to give you some tips. There's a guy called... William Lane Craig. Has it, put your hand up if you've heard of him. Uh, William Lane Craig, what a profound guy he is. He's um, leading the way in apologetics on the earth right now. He's an absolute incredible man that does an incredible work. And he's got uh, heaps of podcasts, heaps of material. 
But in particular, I want to point you guys to, if you want to look into this, uh, look up his Defenders podcast. It's called Defenders, William Lane Craig Defenders. And if you scroll through, you'll find um, it's actually not too far down his recent podcasts. Uh, there's, he does a topic called The Existence of God. And if you go to uh, part, well, don't want to get this wrong. Uh, if you go to part 33, 34, and 35 in his podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, because this, this is a complex thing that some people need to find answers. Um, so yeah, part 33, 34, and 35, check that out. And if, you, if you're feeling like you've got a bit of um, gusto and, you, and you're going to Get right into it. There's some great books. C.S. Lewis does some incredible work. Ravi Zacharias has done some incredible work. All these incredible men that um, have allowed themselves to ask the big questions, to go on the journey, and they unpack it and and they just bring it forth in such profound um, honesty and it it is awesome. Um, But C.S. Lewis also, he has got a book called The Problem of Pain. Um, what a guy that guy was. He's, he, he blows my mind, that guy. Um, problem of pain, and that's, um, that's real meaty. That's for the guys that really want to get into it. You can do that. Um, or you could just talk to Jono Addison. I don't know if he's here tonight. But um, I actually find that he is incredible at unpacking these deep things. He's, he's a thinker, and I love what he has to say. I actually think that he probably should be up here instead of me. Because um, he's really good on this topic. He did a, one of these topics at um, the young adults back in the day, and everyone was just like, whoa, awesome. He's, he's amazing. I love Jono Addison. Um, yeah, so I could have a feeble attempt at doing what these legends have, but I won't. But I want to get into a few thoughts. Uh, firstly, one of the things that we have to realize is that we are finite in our cognitive ability. Yeah, that was such a freeing thing to me because <laughs> I used to think that I knew it all and I, had, I, could, I could figure it all out. Um, but I am, I, I'm, I'm sort of fixed in time and space and in my cognitive ability. But there's this big God who transcends time and space and who is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Wrap your head around that. That's just one thing to ponder. Um, Here's another thing with the problem of of evil. This is just a little something for you to go and take away with and then approach the the greater text with. Um, The problem of evil. So God is love. Does we all agree with that? God is love. Yeah? Okay, good. We're, We're there. He's perfect love. Now, love demands relationship. Do we agree? Because what's the point of love without it? Yeah, love demands relationship. And for a perfect relationship and perfect love to exist, there actually has to be freedom of choice. To choose to accept and receive that love and then to, in return, give it back. There there has to be a choice. If that choice is taken away, it is not a real relationship. It's just a a program. You're programmed to do it. It's not genuine, authentic relationship. There's no genuine transaction of love. It's just a, a robotic, programmed thing. So God is love. He demands relationship. Uh, to have perfect relationship, there has to be choice to choose to 
give and receive and, and flow in this love. Now, God, God can do that on his own. He's three in one. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for all eternity, there's been this vortex of giving and receiving a love in perfect harmony within the Trinity. And that's been going on forever. But for some reason, in God's bigness, he was like, you know, I want to invite a whole race, a whole human race, to come and enjoy and partake and experience this relationship, right? And so he, for whatever reason, sometimes I think he was an idiot, but that's cool. Um, No, but he decided, no, you know what, this is worth the risk. I'm big enough. I have the control. I'm going to work it all out. I've got this. I'm creating mankind, humankind, to have relationship with. And so when that happens, we have freedom of choice and therefore, we have freedom to choose the right thing to do, and we also have the freedom to choose the wrong thing to do. Uh, sin enters the world. Now, that's not um, a must, but it's a probability that probably will take place. And he, can, he, he weighed that up and thought, you know what, that's, that's worth the risk. It's worth it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with this because, you know what, I've actually got this. I've actually got this. I, I weigh up the risk... And I'm, gonna, I'm going for it. I'm creating humankind. Um, there we go. So we can cause sin and all kinds of evil come into the world that way. Um, but there's a thing that uh, really does stump a lot of people, and that's the natural suffering that we see in the world. The natural suffering, like earthquakes and tidal waves and all the crazy stuff, and, and even like just pain, like what the heck is pain? I, I fall over, I scratch my knee, or I see my daughter fall over and cut herself, and I'm like, oh man, it breaks my heart. And people have a problem with natural suffering. Now, I sympathize. This, this was a big one for me, but there's, a, as I said, there's a lot of intricate uh, discussion that has been taking place for so many years. And what we do find is a profound thing that I would not want to do the injustice of unpacking, but I urge you, I encourage you, please pursue your questions to the end and um, grow. Um, but what we, what we do find is goodness at its highest heights actually does really well with natural suffering. Um, as in great and good moral virtues... The, the, the pure goodness of life, the, the goodness of moral virtues actually uh, can't be developed without it. Now, that's a big call and that raises a whole other set of questions, I understand, but please pursue them. Find out the answers. Um, uh, morality just cannot exist without suffering. You can't um, be kind if you... Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go down that track. Please do yourself a favor and find out. Uh, We may not know or understand, but God has good reason for permitting this world to exist in this state for a certain amount of time. Okay? He has morally sufficient reasons. Wow. For permitting this that may not be recognized for some time. He doesn't enjoy it, but he allows it and can bring beauty out of it. And we must never forget 
This is the thing we must never forget. He has an end game in sight. He has an end game in sight. Um, in the end, there is an end to all this. And sometimes we forget that because we see the world in this state and we think, ah, oh, what's the point? And we forget that there's an end. In the end, there is an end. And it's the end of this age and it's the start of a glorious one. Something else to consider before I get into what I really want to um, break down. The highest achievement in life is not happiness. Um, the, the greatest goal in life is not happiness. The greatest thing to experience in life isn't happiness. It is relationship with God. I'm saying this as a Christian tonight. <laughs> I hope you're with me. Um, so, there are just a few things that, are, that we can consider and think about this, this great topic of God is in control. Um, God is the giver of purpose, meaning, and value. As a Christian, that's what we believe. And it's a a beautiful thing. Um, Therefore, we as a human race are not arbitrarily moving forward through space and time. We're not just floundering in this Um, state of emptiness in this state of nothingness there is actually great worth to every life and there's um, great meaning to this story that's um, playing itself out there's a meaning there's a purpose there's a start and there's going to be a finish and there's a story that's being told there's a story that's being told and I've been saying it I don't know for quite a long probably all this year I You might hear me get up and run a service, and I can't escape this fact that there's a great story unfolding. Has a beginning, has a pivotal point, has a time that we're experiencing just now, and it has a glorious, glorious ending. God is telling a story. Now, so, with a story, how you start the story and how you finish the story... Do you get me? How you start the story and how you finish the story uh, generally uh, gives us shape. Uh, and uh, sorry, let me read this out. <laughs> and w- so, where and how you begin a story and where you ha- where and how you end the story shape and determine what story is being told. So, the beginning and end really, really um, tell us the story, and it helps to. Um, put um, a, a framework, a, a border in place to what's happening in, in between. We've got two brilliant artists up there that understand about uh, a, a border. Yeah, they're pointing to each other. Um, but you have borders which bring uh, context to, to the middle of the artwork. Uh, one, one uses surfboards and one uses canvases. Is that right? Yeah. Legend, guys. Genesis 1. So if we're going to get a bit of context, let's start here. Let's start at the start. Genesis 1. A lot of people try and start at Genesis 3, just to let you know. But it's not where it starts. It actually starts in Genesis 1. And it moves through to Genesis 2, way before, probably two chapters before it gets to Genesis 3. Genesis 1 has some absolutely profound imagery being portrayed. And keep in mind... This was written uh, in a culture that worshipped uh, the created things like uh, the sun and the moon and 
there was just this big statement made in Genesis 1 that there is actually a God that created all this stuff that all you guys are worshipping. There's a God that actually created that stuff and he is actually above it. He transcends it. He's bigger than it. Pretty cool. Genesis 1.1, there's this uh, 1.11, sorry, if we could get that up. Uh, there's, this crazy, there's this amazing Hebrew word, um, dashar used, or dasher, if you're an Australian. <laughs> um, then God said, let the land dashar, vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. Dashar. What does dashar mean? It says, it says produce. Let's just have a, a, a quick look. It means to sprout, produce. It, it means that there is, uh, it, it, it speaks of a progressive generating force. This, this thing that cannot be still, it must generate and move forward. And that's how we created the earth. I love the imagery in this, these first few chapters. It's quite profound. Um, it's quite profound. I've spent, uh, just a side note, I've been talking to Bawley about Genesis, and you can really do the whole story out of that. It's a profound book. Um, wow. But anyway, that's just uh, me. Um, so anyway, yeah, there's this uh, progressive activity of generating. That's how he created the world. Creation is going somewhere. It's dynamic and not static. Tomorrow will not be the same as today. Tomorrow will not be the same as today. Um, at the beginning, it says that uh, we may rule and, and reign and, and fill the earth and subdue it. God invites us uh, to participate in the future and the ordering of all creation. There is a stewardship. There is a responsibility given. We are invited into a, a relationship with God, right? We're invited into a relationship. This is all in the first two chapters, by the way, of the book uh, called the Bible, um, or it's called Genesis, which is the first one in the Bible. Um, we're invited, this is all here, uh, we get invited to have a relationship with God, have a relationship with others, um, and have a relationship with the earth, and he invites us to participate in the ordering of this creation, which is bursting forth into new life, which is moving in time. It's, it's not the same uh, on, on Tuesday as it was on Monday. It's not the same on Wednesday as it was on Tuesday. And there's this incredible progression. It's so cool, isn't it? Um, so much of who we are and what we feel called to is actually found in these first two chapters. And here's some of the things uh, that we find in the first two chapters that we generally um, feel, uh, when, we, when we feel called to do something like be an artist or be a surfer or be an electrician or, or do all these things, there's, there's things that, that are, are drawn out of us, these these. Uh, um, desires and uh, gifts, and, and they all are pretty much explained in these first two chapters. It's quite amazing. If you break it down, we find aesthetics, the, 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 the wonder and the beauty of aesthetics and being a part of ordering. 
those things. Um, making things. We see relationships, partnerships. We see worship. We see exploration. We see organizing. We see naming. We see learning. We see responsibility. We see all these things in the first two chapters. God, this is how he starts the story. There's all this, oh, this crazy uh, starting point of energy that's bursting forth out of um, the book of Genesis 1 and 2. There's all this hope, all this future, all this energy moving forward and creating. The creation doesn't stop, and, and that Dashar tells us that it doesn't stop. It's a continuation thing. It's a story being told. Profound. So that's how, that's how we start. We start with all this life, all this hope, all this relationship with God, relationship with others, relationship with the earth. Let's go to the end. Revelations 21, 3 to 7. Um, this is just profound, guys. Come on. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Pretty exciting, isn't it? I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." This is profound. This is profound stuff. And it doesn't stop there. It actually continues. Um, But what we find at the beginning, we see all this stuff. And at the end, we see all this stuff. Um, So what do we see? We see no more death. That's pretty cool. Um, No more pain. No more suffering. We see a water of life flowing. Uh, If we continue to the very end, we see there's there's a tree of life. There's the healing of all nations. And there's this incredible city at the end. There's this incredible city where God dwells at the end. And so our story starts in a garden. And it moves through time and we end in a city. There's progression happening right here, right now. We're in the middle of this phase of being in a garden and we're going to end in a city we're moving forward in this progression from a garden to a city. It is absolutely incredible and profound, and I love it. It all starts in a garden and all ends in a city. But Genesis 3 did happen, okay? Because as I said, a lot of people do start their whole, they, they find their framework, they start with Genesis 3, that we're this piece of rubbish, these rotten sinners, these scoundrels, 
Um, and the whole point of the story then isn't about us being these things that God saw. He, saw, he, he created everything. He said it was very good. He created mankind, humankind, and he said, it is very, very good. That's our origin, right? Um, but some people have this thing, oh, man, I'm just, I'm this dirty, rotten, filthy, no good, low-down, dirtbag sinner. No worth. I'm scum between the toes of God. Some people live like that. I'm not joking. And whole movements just prescribe. That's their, that's their thing. But no, that's not us. Um, so anyway, Genesis 3 happened. There was a disruption. There was a rebellion. There was a missing of the mark. There was a veering off the path. Sin disrupts the hierarchy of how God set all the things up. See, we either participate with God or we participate in this life against God. There's only two options in life because in, God invites us to participate in this grand thing called life. And there's only two ways we can participate. We participate with God moving through time and space from the garden to the city and we're either um, participating with God or we're participating against God. Um, God's plan has a way he intends things to go. It's, there's, there's great intent. Every single person here, okay, please understand this. Everyone here God has thought about. Oh, he has put infinite thought into who you are as a person he's put infinite thought into your life and what your best life looks like he's there's so much intention being put into you there's so much meaning in your life there's so much value on your life there is a call there is a purpose on every life here it's amazing you're not arbitrarily flailing through the time and space, there is actually a story being told and he's inviting you to be a part of it. Um, but, and so God's uh, plan has a way he intends things to go with himself, with others, and with the creation, with the earth. But here's, here's the deal, okay? This is, this is pretty... I, I, I got, my mind was blown at this, and I was explaining it to Candace, and she was like, what? So? Of course. And I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. I've, I should have known, of course. Um, wow. But here's the deal. Genesis 3, in reference to sin, is not how the story starts, and it's not existing in how the story ends. So our story starts without sin and it finishes without sin. So there's, there's this time with sin. What does that mean? If there's a start without sin, if there's an end without sin, what does that mean? Something must happen to sin because it's not there in the end and it wasn't there in the beginning. So what happens to it? Oh, is anyone's mind getting blown? Nah, I'm an idiot. That's cool. Something happens to it. It gets dealt with. Something profound happens. 
And Hebrews 9.26 says, But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages. I love that. To do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. He has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself through the work of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. It is incredible. We are invited back to the place we were created for. We're invited back to this incredible life that we were created for through confession and repentance, which have profound Hebrew meanings. Hebrew words for confession and repentance will blow your mind. Um, And so from this point, we see uh, the story is different. There was this culmination of the ages, and now we're into this new phase, which we are all a part of right now. Here we go. What is God up to right here, right now? You've heard me say this so many times. What is God right up? What's he up to right here, right now? Um, Let's have a look at a few things. Matthew 19, 28 tells us that he is renewing all things. Acts 3, 21 says that he is in the business of restoring all things. And Colossians 1, 15 through to 20, if I could get uh, that Colossians 1, I'd love to read this out. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, this is the doozy, to reconcile to himself all things. And the Greek word for all is all, just letting you know, whether things on he- in earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's give Jesus a clap tonight. Our story is about Jesus' resurrection beginning a new creation right here in the midst of the chaotic one that we're seeing. The story of Jesus' resurrection is about God reaffirming the goodness of creation, reaffirming that he has profound worth. He he sees us as worth um, living for, worth loving, worth, worth everything. It cost him everything to have relationship with us. It shows us this. Um, The story is about anticipating the coming day when heaven and earth are one again. At the start, we see heaven and earth together. We see God walking with man. There's, 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 There's grass and there's spirit. There's all this stuff that's togetherness. And then um, it reaffirms that he wants that all to happen again. Some theologians believe that heaven is where God is storing earth's future. Starts in a garden, ends in a city, in a glorious mesh 
of earth and heaven. It is profound. Um, Jesus invites us to participate in this great reconciliation act, moving across the earth right here, right now. He's calling each and every one of us to lay hold of this great story and be a part of the greatest story ever told. Now, um, just before I finish up, which is going to be real soon, I, I, I sent out some numbers about uh, how this story has been unfolding throughout time. And I'll finish it with, at, at 2010. I finished it at 1989 um, this morning. I'm going to finish it at 2010, so there's a little bit more progression. This is just some things that's going on in the story. Um, at 100 AD, so 100 years after the ascension of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there was one in the earth, there was one Christian to 360 non-Christians. That was at 100 AD. At 1000 AD, there was one Christian to 220 non-Christians. In 1900 AD, there was one Christian to 27. In 1989, there was one to seven. And in 2010, there is one to three. Now, what we have to understand is God is in control. <laughs> God is in control. God is in control. You don't see this sort of stuff happening anywhere else. I, I could talk more, but I'm, I've run out of time. Guys, God is moving forward from the garden to the city, and He wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part of it. Here's a thought. Only an all-knowing God could comprehend the infinite complexities of directing a world of free people toward his ultimate and glorious end. Wrap your head around that. I'll leave you with something puzzling so you remember to pursue this question <laughs> in your personal time. Why don't we stand, church? Why don't we stand? Let's just thank God for this incredible work that he's performing for the fact that we've gone from 1 to 360 to 1 in 3 in a matter of 2,000 years. It's really quite profound. He is moving. There is a story being told. It has a start. It has a finish. We're in the thick of it, and we're all moving forward together. Be blessed, church. Take heart. Be encouraged that God is in control. God is in control. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Yeah, let's give him a hand tonight. Come on. You are awesome, Lord. You are worthy. We, we thank you for your great love, Lord God. We thank you that Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again for us to, to deal with sin, to, to, to get us back to the state we were intended to be. And Lord God, I'm just so grateful, Lord God, for this great love, this incredible love that was all shown and all on display. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.